when you and I uh, ask for something, when we desire for something uh, from another person, we adapt our way of asking to the way that we think will, uh, we adapt our way of asking to the, to the person that we're asking. Um, you know, with kids, this is obvious, uh, you know, we, everyone has experienced uh, as a kid and at, perhaps as a parent, uh, the child goes to his dad uh, and says, uh, can I have this? And um, dad says no. And then he goes to mom and he asks and uh, he changes the way he asks uh, in light of who he's asking. You know, we do this with teachers. We do this with those uh, in authority over us. We do it with people who are uh, younger than us. We change the way we ask uh, based on the way that we or who we're asking. Now, here's a thought. Uh, have you ever found yourself in the uncomfortable position, because I know I have, uh, of asking the wrong way? Have you ever thought, oh, this person won't like this, so I'll ask this way, or, or this person really will like this, this person uh, has this type of personality, or, or whatever, and so I better ask this way instead of that way, and have you ever found yourself kind of um, in that very uncomfortable position of uh finding that that was an incorrect perception, an incorrect assumption, or an incorrect uh, way to ask for that. It, it didn't work. You know, our, our perceptions of people impact our behaviors towards them. And these behaviors, they influence our character, right? We, we in a sense, um, become more and more who we are or become less and less who we are by the behaviors that we choose. And so if we think wrongly or we perceive wrongly, we'll probably act wrongly. Sometimes we don't really even know that we're doing this, of course, um, and it's the job of our teachers, our mentors, our friends, uh, those around us to help us to see, to think, and to act more in line with reality more in line with that is the the truth see it's not we speak a language and we talk about truth in re, regard to the the words that we say but the, our bodies also speak a language our behaviors speak a, a language and we want the behavior the actions that we take to um to speak honestly to speak with integrity to speak in accord with the truth and so we find ourselves needing to reflect, or at least I do all the time, on whether uh, my beliefs about people and uh, my actions towards them, whether they align with reality. Whether, in other words, they're, they're true. Now, without a doubt, this matters in our human relationship. You, you know, like if we weren't able to do this, we'd find ourselves in a very difficult situation. But how much more importantly, brothers and sisters, does it matter in our relationship with God? What we believe about God matters. It will affect everything. The feast we celebrate today in the church places before our eyes the mystery of God himself, the, the Holy Trinity it places it before our eyes that God is a communion of love. Communion doesn't mean identity or, or exact sameness. 
the Father is not the Son and not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son, and the Son is not the Father or the or the Spirit, but they're all united in one nature. They're united in love. And this makes a difference. As one English writer put it, much the contrary of our modern proclivity, quote, nothing could be more untrue than the often repeated statement that we all worship the same God or that other, that whatever we worship is the same. Nothing matters more than having a true knowledge of Christ. We need a true knowledge of Christ, brothers and sisters, because Christ reveals who God is. He reveals the love of God. He reveals that God is love. Think of the words of the gospel that we hear at Mass today. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him might have eternal life. God so loved the world. God loves you and does not condemn you because it is in accord with his nature, which is love to do so. We hear about it in the Bible how his faithful love was revealed throughout the entire story of, uh, of salvation history. In today's first reading, we hear how Moses receives God's word about himself. And Moses believes what God says about himself, and he shows this by acting accordingly afterwards. See, Moses is in a very unique position at this point. He's just come down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he's found uh, the people that he left there engaged in idol worship, uh, the, the golden calf episode, if you remember that. And he goes back to the, uh, to the mountain and he's just like, God, what are these people doing? What are these people doing? But he doesn't despair, even though the people have rebelled. Rather, he knows that God is faithful even when we're not. God revealed to him who he was. He revealed that he was rich in mercy, kindness, and fidelity. And so just like Moses, we have to express our faith in the fact that God is love through concrete acts of charity of love for our neighbor and for God. Our interactions with people then are the truest reflection of our belief about who God is, who we think God is. We have the curious capacity and it's the curious reality that we will become more and more the image of the God we believe in. This is why knowing God is the most practical thing in the world. The way we love or fail to love reflects our faith in God. Do we believe that God is love? Well, we might as well ask the question, do I love my neighbor? Do we love our neighbors? These two questions, they're intrinsically linked to one another. I can't love God if I don't love my neighbor. 
what I, how I treat my neighbor tells me something about how tells me the best it's the best indication of what I believe about who God is. You know, this past week we've experienced in our country um, we it's come to the forefront the disunity, the lack of communion. Uh, the lack of community in our country and in the world, very clearly. Um, and that lack of, of community, that lack of union, has many causes, many historical roots, uh, a lot of things. There's, there's so many causes. But may I suggest that taken from the highest point of view, it's the result of living as if God did not exist or or perhaps worse, brothers and sisters, living as if God was uninterested in our world. The exact opposite of what the gospel tells us today. God so loved the world. He's a father who loves the world. Who loves you and who loves me. And he sent his only begotten son that we might be with him in union with him. The communion that we so ardently long for then, brothers and sisters, in the human family, if it's to be lasting, it has to begin with our communion with God. This comes about by entrusting ourselves to him. It's only by doing that that we can overcome the barriers which divide us, sadly, uh, by race or by ethnicity, by language, by socioeconomic status, by all these things that divide us. We have to go to him and recognize that we have to entrust ourselves to him. Going to him in love and realizing that he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves every other person that he has created with a love beyond all our imagining. And we'll only do that, brothers and sisters. We'll only give him our heart, give him our entire life, if we believe him to be love. The mystery that we celebrate today, the mystery of God himself, has very practical value for our life. But it demands that we entrust ourselves to him if we wish to have communion. And in doing so, we have to allow the Lord Jesus to purify our conceptions, our thoughts, our perceptions about who God is. And in doing so, he'll purify our perceptions and our, our, our thoughts about who other people are as well. None of us is exempt from such purification which often involves suffering and admitting that we're wrong sometimes. But it's so important, it's so worth it. For in this consists eternal life to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent by knowing him, to love him, and to become like him through the Spirit who unites us all in Christ. Christ.